Um, and so I grew up this way. And actually, Monday through Saturday in my home, we lived a totally different life. Sunday, and when we went to church, we were one family. When we came home, we were a different one. My dad was an alcoholic, and he was an abusive man. And actually, throughout that process, when, my, when I was 13, my father ended up leaving our family. And at that time in my life, I really was critical about the Lord. And I said, Lord, if you are going to be a father like my father, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And so I turned away from the Lord for a couple years of my life. Um, I still went to church. I still pretended like I knew who God was and I was in a relationship with him, but I was totally someone different. Um, I went to camp when I was 16, and the, um, the speaker that week got up and said, when God's around, amazing things happen. And I really challenged God. And I said, God, if when you're around, amazing things happen, how could you allow this to happen to my family and happen to me? And I said, if you're, when you're around, amazing things happen, you prove it to me. And that week, God did. He showed me that in all that darkness in my childhood, he was there with me. He never left me. He never forsook me. He was always there. I just didn't see him. And all that scripture, all those things I had put in my mind, it all clicked. And God transformed my heart and my mind that week. And he showed me that week at camp when I was 16 years old. When you were in that darkness, I was there. And I want to now send you to people who live in darkness, people who have no hope, people who think they're alone. And I want you to be my light there in that darkness. And so at 16, I got a call to ministry. I had no idea what that was. So I began searching and seeking the Lord. When I went to church, I went expecting God to show up. And he did. He is here. Every day of your life, he is there doing something. Expect to see him, and I promise you. You will. I went to Philadelphia. I went to Chicago thinking maybe God's calling me to inner city ministry. I went to Papua New Guinea when I was 17. That was crazy. I cannot believe my mom let me do that. 17 years old. I was gone the whole summer. Praise the Lord she did let it happen because that's where God gave me a call for overseas ministry. I then went to Indiana Wesleyan University. I studied as an elementary education teacher and intercultural studies. And um, I went to Cambodia with Dr. Jim Lowe in 2000, and that's where God gave me a heart for Cambodia. And then later, my husband and I got married, and we went through short-term trips to Cambodia, and that's where he got his call as well. So I encourage you all, short-term trips, God changes you actually more than he changes the people you're going to minister to. And he calls a lot of people during those trips. Those are amazing. So if you guys send people or you know someone who's going, pray heavily over them because God wants to do something there. Like I said, um, my husband and I went to Cambodia in 2006. We were just us at that time, just a couple. And uh, that was our first term. Our second term, we took our daughter back, and God just showed us amazing things. Children open up doors that we cannot get to ourselves. Communication with people that wouldn't normally talk to us. In Cambodia, you're not an adult until you have children. We didn't know that. We saw the difference. It was like, wow, this is awesome. And so we have a seven-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son that go with us to Cambodia, and we're getting ready to go for our fourth term there. I want to tell you a quick story about a girl named Demang, someone who was in the darkness and God brought her into the light and transformed her in amazing ways. She was one of those kids in Cambodia. Her family always pushed her down and told her she was worth nothing. She was a useless eater in the home. Nothing she did was right. And so she was depressed and she was on the path to drugs, alcohol, sex trafficking, several things. She was on that path to the darkest darkness. And we see it all the time in Cambodia. 
And God got a hold of her when she went to one of our churches there and transformed her life and gave her hope, gave her something worth living for, showed her that she, he was there in her darkness. And out of the hope that he had and out of the transforming that he did in her life, she served her family, even though they were oppressing her and criticizing her. And as she served her family, God changed and transformed their hearts. Even though they're not Christians, they started saying, Demong, wow, you are useful. You are no longer useless and just a worthless eater. Now you can do things. You add to this family. We're happy that you're here. And they don't yet know who Jesus is. But I tell you what, they see that light in her. They see the light in the darkness. They live in hopelessness. And so these are the people we get to work with in Cambodia. This is what our heart's desire is, to see the darkness penetrated with the gospel and the light of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Tiffany. Now, Tiffany is heading down to the Vine Room for kids, for kids' church. So children's church, if you are part of children's church, go for it, okay? Good. Time for movement. There we go. A great name that we receive healing, that we find salvation. We find all of that God wants to give to us. And I want us to just take some time this morning. We're going to sing that song again. If you're tired of standing, you can be seated. You can stay standing. But we're going to just open the altars. If you want prayer for something in your life today or for someone else that you have prayer for, you come as we sing. We're going to do this again. Father, it is in the name that you gave us, Jesus, the person of Jesus, that we ask for healing. We ask for your intervention. Father, raise our expectancy to expect supernatural things to happen in your presence. If not, it's no different than just going to a movie or going to dinner or going to a ball game or something else. There's no encounter with the living God. But when we come together and we all praise and worship you, we encounter the living Jesus. And I pray, Lord, as, as we've prayed this morning, that you would continue to answer prayer. Father, that you would let us lay aside all the things that we, we carry with us, that we would focus instead on the greatness of, of God, the living God. And all the things that we carry with us will fade in comparison to the greatness of God. Father, that you would transform our lives. Father, we admit that we need to be transformed daily, every day, every day. We need your touch of grace. So, Father, we just pray in Jesus' name, that you'll do that in the hearts and lives of every person here today. Father, we pray now that as we hear what you're doing in Cambodia, Lord, you're doing a supernatural work there. And we thank you for the privilege of being involved with that and helping support that. Thank you for Tim and Tiffany, Lord, and their ministry and mission for their children. We just pray that your blessing and your your safety would rest on them in good health and strength. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Just once in a while, if you're new here, we just take some time in the middle of the service to take some time for prayer. We also have prayer requests on the cards. If you filled one of those out, and put in the offering plate. We pray over those as a staff every Monday morning and pass them on to prayer teams unless if they're marked confidential, they stay with uh, the pastoral staff. So 
uh, just to let you know that. This is Mission Sunday. Uh, we have a missions conference in the fall, and this is our spring Mission Sunday. And uh, we have a great team that helps put that together. And um, Kent Peterson is one on the team. Uh, he was in first service. And uh, also Randy Carney is on that team. And then we have Brent Weaver. Brent, you're the only, only one here, so why don't you stand up and wave, okay? There we go. Brent's on the team. Thank you. Let's thank our team. <laughs> and thank you again for supporting missions. And, uh, and we want to introduce uh, our guest this morning, um, Tim Gallant. Gallant um, he'll probably correct me, whatever. Um, and his wife, Tiffany, are serving in Cambodia. They've been there 10 years. And uh, I'd like us to give a warm Eau Claire Wesleyan Church welcome to Tim Gallant. Well, it's wonderful to be here with you this morning, to be able to share in that wonderful time of worship, worshiping Jesus, the Lamb of God, which is following Easter Sunday, but every Sunday is a little Easter, is it not, as we celebrate the resurrection. In August of this past year, 2015, we were in Cambodia, and we were doing a prayer walk in a community, in a lakeside community near Phnom Penh. Now, when I say lakeside community in Phnom Penh, don't think lakeside community, Wisconsin, okay? This is a city of two million people, Phnom Penh, and all of the sewage from those two million people flows into this lakeside community, okay? So you have some aromas, right? You have some smells that you're having, and it's also one of those hot Cambodian days that when you have a new idea pop into your head, you break a sweat. It's that hot. So we're there, and we're doing a prayer walk, and I'm teamed up with a young man named Fidel. Fidel's 17 years old, passionate about evangelism, and we're tasked to go into this community where we have been doing ministry to pray through the streets, pray for the people, pray for open doors, but also if we have the opportunity to share, take that opportunity. Fidel is one of our disciples. We've been giving him training for the past year and how to share his faith. And as we come up to this one person's house, it's a house up on stilts as an older lady sitting in that shaded area under her house. And we say, hello, grandmother, how are you? You address everybody in family terms. Hello, grandmother. She said, come, sit down with me. Should we sit down? She starts talking about her life. She tells us about her children, her two children that are living in the city. They don't come to the lakeside community very much anymore. She tells, oh, that's my husband over there, the men drinking alongside the, the lakeside, and it's 10 o'clock in the morning. And she shares us about her, with, about her life the difficulties, the struggles. And you know when people are doing this, it's a wonderful opportunity for us to share about the hope we have. Yes, we lose our jobs. Yes, we get sick. Yes, we have problems. But we have hope in this. We have hope because God is with us. The lamb that was slain was risen again. We have hope. And as we start sharing with her, we use this method called the Four Noble Truths that we've taught to Fidel to share your faith using Buddhist language, Buddhist understanding. And we're sharing it back and forth. And after a while, I just sit back and I let Fidel take over. And this young man, 17 years old, is using everything that we've taught him and mixing it and combining it with his understanding of Buddhism from being a Buddhist for 16 years and understanding how to talk to this grandmother in respectful tones. I'll tell you the truth. The lady that day did not receive the gospel. She has not yet become a believer. We're continuing to meet with her continuing to go into that community. But I do know one thing for sure, that she heard the gospel that day. She heard it and understood it. 
by way of a 17-year-old man who was trained and obedient to go out and share. That's what we're excited about, to see things like this happening. Disciples who can make disciples. That's what we're gonna be talking about today, discipleship, and we're excited to be here. Would you please pray with me? God in heaven, I praise your name. We love the opportunity to have to worship you today, to talk about your glories in Cambodia and Eau Claire and all around the world, for you are moving, O oh Lord. You are on the move, and we pray that you would continue to move in our hearts. Anoint my lips as I share your word today, and let us all be united in our mission to build the kingdom. Thank you so much for this day, and I pray you bless this time. Amen. As Pastor said several minutes ago, my name is Tim, and it's Gallant. It's a very Midwestern way of pronouncing it. Uh, if you just want to think, think a gallant young man, okay? That's how you can remember how to pronounce our name. We've been missionaries in Cambodia for 10 years. We're coming into our fourth term now. Um, our first, first term, as Tiffany said, we didn't have children, but then we've had added two, Katie, who is seven, and Jonathan, who's three, and they are our many missionaries to Cambodia. You know, it's true that when God calls mom and dad to anything, I believe, I believe he calls the children to it as well. God calls families to ministry. God calls families to obedience, and they are just as obedient as we are, going and sharing their faith through picture, through stories, through sometimes just a hug and a smile to someone who's tired in a market. We've seen our kids minister in Cambodia in powerful ways. We minister with Global Partners, which is the, the missions agency within the Wesleyan Church, and our we're very blessed to be a part of Global Partners, taking the message of hope and holiness that you hear every Sunday here in Eau Claire and all across the United States, taking that message across borders, across linguistic lines, across cultures, to bring that message to places that have never heard that, to have never heard that great message that we have, that we can have hope and be free in the name of Jesus Christ. The first missionaries from the Wesleyan Church were, uh, that went to Cambodia were in 1995. It was Dr. Jim Lowe and his wife, Roxine. Some of you might know them through Indiana Wesleyan or their, or their work in district, different district camps around the, around the years. So we are continuing the ministry that they started there in 1995. But the first evangelical missionaries went to Cambodia in the 1920s. So in... in in that, they have been ministering for, for many years in Cambodia, for nearly 100 years. And can anybody have a guess about how long, or how, what the percentage of the population is Christian at this time? It's about 1%. <laughs> Some of you are saying, oh, I got it, 1%. But 16 million people, 1% of 16 million people is a very, very small percentage. And those would be census Christians, people that say, yes, I might attend church one time a week, uh, one time a month. So the gospel has not penetrated very deeply in the country of Cambodia. And some of you might ask, why? Why is that? A lot of it has to do with the Cambodian understanding of what religion is. They have fused their cultural identity with their religious identity. To be Cambodian, to be Khmer is to be Buddhist. And to be Buddhist is to be Cambodian. So just the, veer, the sheer nature of what it says to be a Cambodian Christian, have you, somehow have you somehow lost your cultural identity in doing that? It's a very big obstacle to the gospel. Another obstacle is the sheer amount of spiritual oppression that happens there in the country. 
people with their Buddhism, with their animism, which means they believe in a lot of local spirits, they've invited those spirits into their lives, into their homes, into their communities, asking for that evil power, that dark power to rest upon them, to bless them, or to avoid the curses that could possibly have upon them. It's a very dark country in some ways, and which really attributes to the fact that it's only about 1% of the, of the Christian population. The question is, how do we move forward? How do you get forward to 1%, from 1% in those dark days when the ministry is sluggish, when you feel like you're doing more harm than good there, because those days happen? What do you do at the end of that day to start the next day? One of the things that we always do is we look back. We look back on our calling, what God has done in our lives, how He has been faithful, how He has showed Himself to be faithful to us in bringing in our support and bringing us faithfully and, and well through these three terms of missionary service. But we also have to look forward. We look forward to where God is leading the ministry, where God is leading the church, that vision that he has placed in our hearts, that's not a vision that's bigger than Tim and Tiffany Gallant, that's bigger than the Wesleyan Church, that's bigger than all the denominations there because it's God's vision. And I want to teach that vision to you today and what, and what it is. So if we please go, please go to the next slide, you'll take a look. at This is the, the, the mission field vision. Can you read that second line there? No, maybe not. Okay, it's in Kamai. So we're going to teach you a little bit of Kamai today. Okay, so I'll say it first and then we'll break it down and I'll teach it to you. Okay, it's Kamian Dikanlayangongat. Do you have that? Got it? Okay, good. Now we'll break it down for those of you who don't have it. So the first word is Kamian. Please repeat after me. Kamian. Good. Di. Gunlang. Now this last word is hard. Mongat. It's like two swallows. Mongat. Okay, ready? I'll say it one time and you repeat after me. Ready? Kamian Dikanlayangongat. Wow, Wisconsin people can speak Kamai. Great, that's great to see. Okay, do you know what you said? Because when we're speaking in tongues, there has to be translation, right? Here we go. Let's go to the next, next slide, and you'll see what you said. No dark places. So we truly believe. No dark places. Please repeat after me there. No dark places. No dark places. That every village and locale has at least one group of faithful believers ministering and sharing the gospel in word and deed. How did you come to know the gospel? How did you hear? It was someone living next to you, working next to you, a friend, a neighbor, a family member who shared it with you, right? No dark places. We want every village and locale to have at least one group of faithful followers. Maybe we'll explain it to you this way. Please go to the next slide, and you're gonna see a map. It's the map of the United States, right? There's, there's some dark places and there's some light places. Anybody wanna guess what those are? What are the dark places? What are the light places? Hmm? Lakes, not lakes. Hmm? No? You see it on TV all the time. Cellular coverage, right? This is Verizon's 4G LTE coverage. Why do they show this to you? So that they show you T-Mobiles and then they show you theirs. We have more coverage. If you live in this place, we have coverage for you. T-Mobile does not. How does Verizon fill in the dark places? More towers, stronger towers, right? That's how they get there. That's how they fill in the dark places. But we say in Cambodia, we're looking for no dark places. If we go to the next slide, you'll see a map of the country of Cambodia. 
There are 16 million people in the country of Cambodia, 14,000 villages. 14,000 villages. You want an estimated guess to how many of those villages have a Christian presence? And when I say Christian presence, I mean two believers who meet together regularly. Because one or one or two are gathered, there I am. That is the gospel incarnated in that village. How many villages have the Christian message, have a Christian presence? Only 2,000. 2,000 of the 14,000, that's about 15%. You wanna see what 15% of Cambodia looks like? Go to the next slide. And while that's just a representation of what 15% looks like, we have churches all throughout the country. There are still, uh, still 12,000 villages that do not yet have that gospel incarnated among them. To me, that's unacceptable. It's not acceptable, but how do we get there? Do we have to wait another 100 years? And if we wait 100, another 100 years, do we only get to 30% of the country? We have to look about changing our methodology, about moving forward, not building churches, but creating disciples. And that's where our mission comes in. The mission, if you load to the next slide, please, is to facilitate multiple generations of disciples and disciple makers. Now, I believe something about discipleship or being a disciple. A disciple is someone who can follow after Christ, who knows how to, how to follow after Christ. But there's a second caveat to that. I believe if you're a disciple, you know how to and you are obedient to make other disciples. So that's why we come up with that phrase, disciples who can make disciples. That we use in Cambodia, disciples who can make disciples. Focusing on that, disciples, multiple generations of disciples moving from this village to this village to this village, not waiting for churches to be built, but moving as quickly as their relational networks allow them to. That's how we get to know dark places. We see this in the Bible. If you have your Bibles today, you can open up to, the, to Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. But as we often do in an oral culture like Cambodia, I'll simply tell you the story today. In Mark chapter 2, we find Jesus walking beside the sea. And he, as he's walking beside the sea, he sees Levi there in his tax collector booth, collecting taxes. And Jesus goes to him and says those words, follow me. And Levi, standing up, from his tax collector booth, standing up from his profession, all that he knows, leaves it all and follows this rabbi. The next thing we see of Levi, he has invited Jesus and his disciples into his house. All of the followers and all along with uh, the Levi's tax collector buddies and they're having a meal together. And the Pharisees and scribes are looking in at this and saying why, to the disciples, why is your master eating with these tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus says, well, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. See, when I picture this story, I see Jesus talking to the people. I see the disciples sharing about their faith journey as well, but I also see Levi talking to his friends. And what is he telling them? I was sitting at my tax collector booth. It was a Tuesday morning. And this rabbi came up and said, follow me. And I don't know, I can't explain it, but I had to go. Even in the very early hours of his faith journey, walking with Jesus, he is sharing it with other people. 
You see, Jesus did not see Levi in the same way that other people saw Levi. The Pharisees and the scribes saw him as a tax collector, a sinner, one to be avoided. The people of the town, how did they see him? How do we see possible IRS agents? But especially in that day, taking money from the people, taking more money and turning it over to, to Herod, turning it over to the Romans. They saw him as someone who was a cheat. How did Jesus see him? Jesus saw him as a disciple, and not just a disciple. I truly believe that Jesus saw Levi's disciples, because according to church history, Levi went on to Ethiopia and Macedonia and different countries, and he saw Levi's disciples, 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 multiple generations moving to where we are today. How do we get to places like, how do we get to something like no dark places? It's through discipleship. Multiple generations of faithful followers who know how to create more disciples. We do this by a very simple process in Cambodia. We call it a three-thirds model of discipleship. On Fridays, we get together from, with some members of a church. They come over to our house. We eat dinner together. We talk. We share. We laugh. And as we sit down, we start talking. First thing we do is we look back. You look back on your previous week. How did you do in your Bible study, your prayer? Did you pray every day? Did you read your Bible every day? We confess sins, and we ask an important question. To whom did you share? Who did you share your message with? Who did you share your testimony with this week? And they ask me that same question. And then we look up, looking back, looking up. Looking up as we look to the Lord in prayer, in Bible study. We study the Great Commission. We study new stories to tell. How is God moving in our midst? How can we share it? Then we look forward. We practice it. How many people have had something, God do something amazing in your life? I have. And something we teach our Cambodian disciples is this. Take that story, practice it, get it down to a two-minute message that you can share, and then practice it with someone else. Practice sharing it with your friend who is a believer and act like they are not so that you get a sense of what it is to share. Ask teens at a, at a church on Wednesday, why don't people, why don't teens share their faith? Answer, because they don't know what to say. You know, I, we asked the same question to adults. You know what they said? Because they don't know what to share. What would happen if we would practice it? What would happen if we prepare it and then the whole, allow the Holy Spirit to use us in our preparation to share when that opportunity comes? That way we're not scrambling, but we know exactly what it is to share. So we look forward, we practice it, we ask them a question. Who needs to hear this in your life? Is it your mom, your dad, your brother, a friend at school? Who are you going to share with this week? And then we pray for them. We have people commit to praying. And can you guess what question I'm gonna ask the next week in the looking back time? Did you share with that person or not? Did you share or not? Because disciples make disciples. If you are being obedient to share, God is faithful. And oftentimes that they'll come back to me, they'll come back to me with success stories, but they'll also come back to me with horror stories. Teacher Tim, I shared it with my teacher, I shared it with my, with my friend and they started swearing at me. I shared it with my, my mom and dad and they just told me to get out. And I say, well, praise the Lord. Well, what, what do you mean praise the Lord? You were faithful to share. But Tim, they didn't respond. That's not your concern. That's a work of the Lord. 
Your job is to be obedient in that time, in that place, to share the gospel. Abundant gospel sowing is a characteristic of disciple. And we're seeing great movement in this. Just before we came home in, in, in November, we were sitting with this Friday night group, and we were meeting in the church, and we were sitting under these fluorescent lights, and the fluorescent lights were kind of buzzing, and they were buzzing even more because there were just hundreds of insects just buzzing around these things. And it was another of those hot nights. And one of our disciples named Rexa, a girl, she said to us, you know, Tim, I'm really feeling that the Lord wanted me to start sharing with this group of three girls, but I didn't know what to share. I didn't know how to disciple them. So what I'm doing is I'm just taking what we do on Friday nights and then sharing that with them on Mondays. Is that okay? That's exactly what we want you to be doing. That's exactly how we want you to, to move forward. Disciples who can make disciples. Disciples share what they know with those who don't, do not yet know. And then Rexah comes and gets filled up again on Friday and shares it again on Monday. We're at, we're entitled, we're responsible to share what it is that we know to what you hear from pastor, from, from the, the spiritual formation classes here at church, sharing that throughout our weeks and then coming back, getting more to share. That is how it's moving forward. And we're encouraged and passionate about seeing these disciples going out and creating more disciples. But there are those days, you might ask us, are there ever those days we just ask yourself, is it worth it all? to be here? Is it worth it all the midst of being in a, in a tough country like Cambodia? And the answer is yes. There are many times that that happens. One of those times happened in April of 2015. I was standing in a mango plantation holding a bag of these aromatic, delicious mangoes. I haven't been to a grocery store here, but do they have mangoes here? I'll let you in on a little secret. Those are not mangoes. Those are not mangoes. These things I was holding, the delicious fruit was, oh, I was looking forward to eating them, but they felt like a ton of bricks in my hands because the lady who had given them to me, given them to me as a gift, was asking me to have her young daughter referred on to our Christian hospital there in Cambodia. And we had already referred our five people. We couldn't refer on anymore that month. And I was telling her through the midst of her tears, we'll do all we can, but as soon as next month comes, we'll refer her, her daughter on. And she accepted that. But I walked away from that encounter just questioning, God, is it worth it all to be here in the midst of all this need and difficulty? Am I doing any good here at all? Is, is our presence here worth anything? Going forward then to October of last year, I was sitting in that same church in that same mango plantation and I saw something incredible. You see, there had been, just been a Global Partners Health Network team coming to do medical team, medical work in that village. Hannah Peterson from this church was a part of that team. And in that one, that one village, they saw over 100 sick persons, people, just various illnesses. But then we had met the next day and we were exploring what is it gonna look like to extend to continue on this medical ministry that happened yesterday throughout the rest of the year that not just that doesn't just happen that when the medical professionals leave that this medic, that this medical ministry stops and we came upon working on working through community health evangelism community health evangelism is a very simple process you might have heard about it here in the church where you give training medical training to people within the church to give basic medical care or medical education to the people in their community. It works like this. People in Cambodia die of very preventable illnesses. Hypertension, diabetes, 
They've stopped taking their medication. They don't plan ahead to go buy their medication when they run out or they don't run out of money. So many different things go, to, go through this. What community health evangelism can do is give medical training to members or members of leaders within the church. And as they walk to their field in the morning, as they walk to work, they can walk by a person's house and say, hey, have you checked your blood sugar today? Or hey, have you taken your medication yet today? A question like that can save someone's life. Along with that, they're given training and, and education on typhoid, malaria, how to maintain a water filter to keep from getting sick. They're taught to pray for those people who are ill. But also taught to go into those houses. And when God opens up the doors to share, to share the gospel, to share a testimony, to do so, to be a disciple maker in that place, to use that avenue of health education to share the gospel. And as I sat in that meeting, the medical professionals over here, the Khmer Khmer people are over here, the Khmer members, one of the ladies, Chan Thi, She's a farmer, she raises cows, a simple lady. And she said, I know that when we started thinking about this, there was no way I could do this. No way I could be a part of something like this. But now I really feel the Lord encouraging me that through this partnership, I can see my village transformed. I can see my village transformed and given hope through this ministry. Like, wow. Just several months before, I had walked away saying, God, is it worth it all? And that day, I realized once again that yes, it is. Because where God is moving, the Spirit is moving, transformation happens. And I truly believe that that village is going to be transformed by the gospel. We've been home since November, the end of November of 2015, and we'll be heading back June 29th. So we're looking forward to getting back getting back into these ministries, this discipleship, community health evangelism. We have some new uh, initiatives on theological education through, by extension. But a lot of times it feels like we're kind of swimming in waters that are a little too deep, that we are unable to cope, that Tim and Tiffany Gallant by ourselves cannot do this. We cannot possibly do this. And a reminder of that verse from, from, uh, from Ephesians, it says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask, or think, according to him, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. That power that is at work is going to be about this. Our responsibility, Tim and Tiffany Gallon's responsibility, the Wesleyan Church's responsibility is to be faithful and obedient in that next step and that next step after that. Think of the people I told you about tonight, uh, today. Fidel, the young disciple maker. Rexa, the one who is leading that discipleship group. Chanti, who is doing the community health evangelism. What do they all have in common? They decided that when God called them, that God called them and put something on their heart, they were going to be obedient in that next step. And you know what happens when you're obedient in that step? God calls you to another one. But you can remember how he was faithful in that previous. And then it's compounded. And you'll find yourself doing things that you never imagined that you could do. I never imagined when I was a young person that I could be here standing in front of you, but do, having 10 years in Cambodia. God does wonderful things, powerful things when we're obedient to him. Now, it might be that God is calling you to be obedient today. 
obedient in missions, and we want to give you several opportunities for that. To be obedient in prayer. We covet your prayer support. We have a clipboard on our back table where you can put your, give us your email address and your name, and we can be sending you our monthly updates. You'll be praying for us in the ministry. We can be giving you praise reports. Pray for us in the next six weeks. We'll be traveling around your district and the Northwest District for six weeks without going home. So pray for our seven-year-old and our three-year-old who are gonna be trapped in a car for a lot for the next, the next six weeks. You can give. I'm gonna give you opportunity to give. To give through your church that supports us and supports many other Wesleyan minister, ministries and other missions around the world to give through international ministries. Be faithful in giving. Be obedient in going. And it's not just going to Cambodia, where we, though, we would like to see many of you in Cambodia through a Global Partners team, a Global Partners Health Network team, or another team. But it could be that God is calling you to go someplace a little bit closer. It could be to go across the alleyway, across the, the, the yard to talk to a neighbor. It could be that God is calling you to go that extra mile in a conversation with a family member who does not yet know the Lord or who is hurting to share your faith, to, show, to share what God has done in your life, even though it might make you uncomfortable. God is calling us to pray, to give, to go, to be a part of his kingdom work. So at the close of the message today, I wanna to say thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor Mark, for allowing us to come, to share. Thank you for the encouraging time that we had to worship with you today and spend time eating pancakes. But thank you for your investment in the kingdom, for your investment in the lives of young persons all around the world. People like Fidel, who is being trained and sent out as a disciple, he thanks you. People like Raksa, who's, who's creating multiple generations of, dis, of disciples right there in Phnom Penh, she thanks you. Chanti, who is going and sharing the gospel in her village through, through medical, uh, medical education, she thanks you. And by, on, from us, on behalf of the Global Partners team, the Global Partners tribe, we thank you, Eau Claire Wesleyan, for your investment in the kingdom and your obedience. And we pray that God continues to draw you along that line of obedience to ever-increasing and ever-higher moments of ministry. Thank you so much, and please continue to pray for that vision no dark places, not just here, not just in Cambodia, but all around the world. God bless you all. Thank you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we just thank you that you send your light, the light of Jesus, the light of the gospel all over. And we thank you that there are no dark places where believers are. And we thank you for that challenge and that vision. We pray for Tim and Tiffany and their family, Lord, that you'll give them safety and that you'll continue to go before them as they, as they travel and, and get ready to go back and return to Cambodia. So we just give this to you now and we thank you in Jesus' name. Let's stand, shall we? Father, I pray that you will take us into those waters that are deeper than we can handle, then we know we need you. And Father, that you would build our faith in those times and we'd realize that you are ours and we are yours. I pray now that you would send us with your blessing. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with all who are in Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>